0: The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracetysd.com.
1: My son, do not forget my teaching. Let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord, and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will be bursting with wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline, or be wary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. Let's pray. Father God, that is our prayer, that our wisdom is not founded on the things that we do, but is in who you are. And I pray that today's message would bring that forth, God, that you would bless Randall as he speaks, um, that we would learn what it is to trust in you in everything that we do, God. Give us wisdom as we listen to this message. It's in your son's name we pray, amen.
0: Good morning, church family. Today, we're gonna continue in our new series, Wisdom from Proverbs. And today, our text is from Proverbs 3, verses one through 12. And our message for today is entitled, Gaining Wisdom. Now this summer, our church family is gonna be studying in the book of Proverbs. And last week, we looked at and studied how Proverbs 1 says that the book is about wisdom. So what is wisdom? Well, the Hebrew word for wisdom is chokmah. And this word appears around 150 times in the Old Testament. Chokmah is the knowledge and ability to make right choices at the optimal time. It's making good decisions when things aren't clear. It's navigating moments in life where our choices call for discernment, discipline, or discretion. See, for those of us who are on social media, it's whether or not you should post that article or tweet that opinion or respond to that comment. Wisdom is whether or not I should share that juicy piece of information or keep it to myself. It's deciding what type of friends I should have, who I should listen to for advice, or what type of person I should marry. Wisdom is how I should raise my kids, or what should I do with my finances. Wisdom covers all areas of life, and gaining wisdom takes time. Proverbs 4.11 describes it like this, I instruct you in the way of wisdom and lead you along straight paths. See, wisdom is described as a path where where God brings us in touch with reality, the reality of His divine order in the world and also His intended design for our lives. Proverbs also tells us that those who are foolish or simple are those who are going to fight against God's design and are people who are out of touch with reality. In 2014, Phyllis Corky wrote an article entitled, The Science of Older and Wiser. And she interviewed Monica Ardelt, a sociology professor from the University of Florida. And here's what she said. Wise people are able to accept reality as it is, with equanimity. Her her research shows that when people in nursing homes or with a terminal illness score high on her wisdom scale, They also report a greater sense of well being. If things are really bad, it's good to be wise. You see, within our culture right now, we need wisdom. And wisdom doesn't come easy. It's a hard fought journey where God develops our personal character from the inside out. But many times, instead of wisdom, we want a quick fix. C.S. Lewis pointed this out in his book, The Abolition of Man. For the wise men of old, the cardinal problem of human life was how to conform the soul to objective reality. And the solution was wisdom, self-discipline, and virtue. For the modern, the cardinal problem is how to conform reality to the wishes of man, and the solution is a technique. You see, many times we look to a TED Talk, a book, or a podcast rather than seeking God's wisdom rather than praying, rather than reading God's Word. You see, wisdom is a long journey with God where He develops us from the inside out. And He takes us along a path. It's much like Eugene Peterson once said, he said, a long obedience in the same direction. A long obedience on the path of God. And so our text today, again, is Proverbs 3, one through twelve. And just to give some background, the book of Proverbs was written by King Solomon. And King Solomon was one of the wisest people to ever live. Again, we saw that in Second in Chronicles 1 and 1 Kings 3, where you can read that story. But Solomon asked God for wisdom, and God granted him wisdom. And so how do you and I gain wisdom? Well, from today's text, we learn three areas we must examine in order to gain wisdom. And here they are. It's by examining, number one, what we believe, number two, who we trust, and number three, how we respond. What we believe, who we trust, and how we respond. So the first one is what we believe. Look at verses one through three. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years and in peace, they will add to you. Let not... Deadfast love and faithfulness forsake you, bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart. Now, what does this text say about wise beliefs? Well, we can see two parts to it. The first one is wisdom comes from obeying God's commands. Look at verse one Do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. Solomon says, First, do not forget. Now, this is a knowing, right? This is about knowledge. But secondly, he adds to it this, keep my commandments. You see, this is about obedience. Wisdom is not just knowing something or being knowledgeable about something, but obeying God's commandments. It's knowing plus obeying that brings us into alignment with God. See, God's commands help us to understand who God is, who we are, and how we are supposed to live in His world. Recently, I was playing a game with my son, uh, Battleship. And so we're, we're playing this game together and, and you, you make these guesses if you haven't played it before about where the specific Battleship would be. And so I can't see his board, he can't see my board. But as I started to play the game with my son, I, I just kind of assumed that he knew the rules. And so I'm playing and he's playing. And then all of a sudden he says out of nowhere, I won. I won. I said, hold on a second, what? And so I looked at his board and then he looked at mine and I I said, hold on, this doesn't match up. See, what was happening was he thought he won, but he was living in a false reality because he didn't know how to play the game. And so God is telling us that we can live in a false reality if we don't know how he's created the world's. So next Solomon says this he says it's not just knowing those things but it says let your heart keep my commandments let your heart keep my commandments See again this isn't just obedience on the outside but this is obedience from the heart How are we to do that This is a work of God because Ezekiel 36:26 says this it says I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you I will I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. See, how does this heart get into us, this new heart? It's when God exchanges our heart of stone and puts a heart of flesh in us. The Bible talks about this as as about being born again or regeneration, new life. See, you and I need God to come in and change our hearts so that we Learn to love and obey him. But how does he do this? Well, second, we need to understand this. Wisdom comes by deeply internalizing God's love. Look at verse three. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. See, what is the steadfast love and faithfulness that Solomon is talking about here? Well, the word loving kindness is hesed. Again, we've talked about this before, but this is God's love and mercy toward us. This is God saying, never will I leave you nor forsake you. Solomon is passionate here. He says, bind this this reality around your neck. Write it on your heart. Write what? That God loves you and he will never stop loving you because he's faithful even when you're not. See, this is coming into a relationship with the living God. He's not just saying follow the rules, but he's inviting us into a relationship with him. Just like we talked about last week, where where wisdom cries aloud in the streets calling us. God wants a relationship with you and me. John Owen once said this, he said, the greatest sorrow and burden you can lay on the father, the greatest unkindness you can do to him is not to believe that he loves you, How many times do we walk around on a daily basis not believing that God loves us? See, why is it that we believe that? Well, it's because when we just take the commandments and we try to live that out on our own, we realize that we fail all the time. We can't do it. But if God loved me on my perfection of following the rules and following the laws, it's true. How could He love me? but he doesn't love me based on that that idea. He loves me based on the idea that, you know what? In Jesus, he's already followed the rules completely. He's already followed the commands in the ways that we should have, but we didn't. And so that's why Jesus came. And so the love that you and I experience is not based on our performance, but here's the gospel, on the performance of what Jesus has done for us. See, again, this whole book of Proverbs points us back to our need for Christ. And so you see, Solomon first says this, to hold on to the law, to hold on to the Torah, but then gives us God's love. And for wisdom to take root in our hearts, we need to believe both. We need to believe both, both the wisdom of God through his law, but yet also the wisdom of God through his unconditional love for us that we find in Jesus Christ. That's why we say Jesus is wisdom. The second point is this, who we trust. Look at verses five through eight. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Now, what does verse five tell us about the natural disposition of the heart? Well, it tells us that we more readily trust our own understanding rather than we trust in God's understanding. See, see what this is is a self-trust over a trust in God. But here's what we're finding out, that a trust in man doesn't work after the 2008 economic downturn, there was an article written in 2009 by Roderick Kramer in the Harvard Business Review, and it's entitled, Rethinking Trust. And here's what he wrote. He said, popular business books proclaim the power and virtue of trust. Academics have enthusiastically piled up up study after study showing the varied benefits of trust, especially when it is based on a clear track record, credible expertise, and prominence in the right networks. Then along came Bernie Madoff. There was something about this person, pedigree, and reputation that inspired trust, mused one broker taken in by Bernie Madoff who confessed to a $65 billion Ponzi scheme, one of the largest and most successful in history. On the surface, Madoff possessed all the bona fides the record, the resume, the expertise, the, the social connections, but the fact that so many people, including some sophisticated financial experts and business leaders were lulled into a sense of security when dealing with Madoff should give us pause. Why are we so prone to trusting? Madoff is hardly the first to pull the wool over so many eyes. What about Enron, WorldCom, Tyco, and, and all the other corporate scandals of the past decade? Is there perhaps a problem with how we trust? The book of Proverbs says, yes, there is a problem with how we trust. Here's the problem. We trust ourselves too much. See, wisdom is not found in trusting your gut, your own experiences alone, your knowledge. It's found in trusting God so what are the ways in which we trust in ourselves? Well, verses five through eight help us to understand that. It says first that we lean not on our own understanding. So what we do is we lean on our own understanding, our own education and, and, and our own experiences and what we've gone through is what we lean on most. Next, it says trusting ourselves looks like this, taking credit for ourselves, for the successes that we have, for the abilities that we have. We, we like to take credit ourselves. We make our own path. We make our own path in life. We say it's my life and it's the way that I want it to be. And so I'm the one who steers the ship on where I go in life. We only see through our own eyes. And so when it talks about being wise in your own eyes, what it's talking about is this, that you don't take in the experiences of others or the wisdom of others, but you only look through your own lens. And it also says that we look to evil solutions. Now, you may say, evil, I'd never do that. But let me give you an example of how we can do this in our lives. Imagine you're scrolling through your newsfeed and, and you see an article about someone you don't like. You start to read the article and see that they've been caught in a very bad situation and their corrupt character has been exposed. You read every detail and it only confirms what you've always thought. They are a terrible human being. But then later in the day, there are conflicting reports that factually prove the previous article you read was False. Now, who do you trust? Now, this illustration is really an updated example of what C.S. Lewis gives in his book, Mere Christianity. And it exposes how we can turn to evil. Here's what Lewis says. The real test is this. Is one's first feeling, thank God, even they aren't quite as bad or so bad as that. Or is it a feeling of disappointment and a de, even a determination to cling to the first story for the sheer pleasure of thinking your enemies as bad as possible if it is the second then it is i am afraid the first step in a process which if followed to the end will make us into devils you see one is beginning to wish that black was a little blacker later on we shall wish to see gray As black, and then we see white itself as black. See, this is very practical for us. Verses seven and eight say this: it says, says, Be not wise in your own eyes. See, do you trust only your perspective? Because the Bible says that's what being wise in your own eyes looks like. It says, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. See, do you look to the evil within, within for solutions and fight for that? Even when it's exposed not to be true? Because verse eight says this, it'll be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. See, what what coming to the truth and finding wisdom in God does to our lives is it helps us to become healthy people. It helps us to become healthy from the inside out. See, God is transforming us and getting us to where we were created to be. Thirdly, it's how we respond. Look at verses nine through 12. It says honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of, of your produce, then your barn will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. My son, do not despise the lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof for the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father the son in whom he delights now what's happening here? well verses nine through twelve give us two scenarios in life and these are scenarios which we will experience, right? The the first one we would call maybe the the, the mountaintop experience, the the success. But then also we see the lows of life and the valleys. And, And what this is telling us is this is what life looks like, right? There are mountaintop experiences, there are valleys in life. But how do you respond wisely in those moments? Well, first, the highs, verses 9 through 10. These are talking about earthly successes and wealth. And what we need here to be wise is instruction. And so here's the instruction. Honor the Lord. Honor the Lord with your wealth and the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. See, what happens if you or I become successful in the eyes of the world, in the ways of the world, yet we are not honoring the Lord. We become prideful. We become greedy. We again become wise in our own eyes. See, what happens when somebody believes that they are the the reason that they have the success that they have in life? They start to tell people, well, you need to be more like me. And what happens is they they don't just become an expert in their specific field, but they start to become an expert in everything. They have an answer for everything. See, what this is, is pride and arrogance. the, The greed that can take over as we don't honor the Lord with the resources that he's given us and the abilities and the talents. You see, again, what it talks about in verse six, it says, Acknowledge the Lord in all that you do, give credit to God, not take it for yourself. And so that instruction at the beginning is, if you experience any type of wealth or or what the world would consider a success, it's not from you, it's from God. And so it says, honor the Lord with these things. But secondly, that the lows or the valleys that we would say in life, right? Verses 11 through 12, These are about the difficulties in life. And so, what you need here is perspective. Okay, so it says, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof, for the Lord reproves him whom he loves, as a father, the son in whom he delights. See, what this is talking about here is the trials of life and how you view those trials. And so, the instruction that Solomon gives is this. He says to see it as the Lord disciplining us. This is the perspective that the Lord is at work. Even in the valleys that you can't see it, but God is at work. See, what happens if we don't see God teaching us through trials? We become bitter. We become envious. We become resentful. See, we must see that even in the valleys, God is with us and He's at work. Wisdom is knowing that we will face both the mountaintop experiences in the valleys, yet all of it points us back to God. Romans eight twenty-eight through 29 says this, it says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. See, what is this verse telling us here? It's first saying that God is at work to do good, even in those moments that are not good, that are valleys. But yet the tapestry that God is creating for those who love him is that he has a plan that's a lot bigger than we can see. And what is the ultimate plan? Is the ultimate plan for you and I to be successful in this world? No, it's this, that we become conformed to the image of his son. See, the greatest good that God has for you and for me and the wisest good is that God makes us more into the image of his son, Jesus. See, that's the character that he wants us to have. It's to look more like Christ. And so, let me finish by giving some takeaways. Where do we start, as we seek wisdom? Well, first, we must ask God for wisdom. We must come to Him. Right? There's this pride and this arrogance that's within us that says, "I got this." But we have to lay that at the foot of Jesus and say, "You know, what? I don't. I don't have this. I need your help." One of the things that I know is that it's been very hard for all of us to understand the times that we live in. And in my household, it's really affecting my kids. And so this past week, we were really having some trouble with them. And my wife and I were kind of at the end of ourselves and we just sat down and said, Lord, what do you want us to do? God, we need wisdom on how to be good parents. We, we need wisdom on how to navigate and, and give our kids what they need right now, what you want for them, God. See, it's hard to navigate these times, but but coming together and just praying and, and asking and seeking God, that's the first step. It's knowing that we need Him. Secondly, it's, it's to redefine success. See, Do you define success differently now in the midst of the quarantine than you did before? Have you been more thoughtful about what success looks like? Because this verse pushes us towards being wise about what we would define as success. One of the things that I've seen recently as I've been scrolling through my newsfeed is the amount of of celebrities taking their own lives. You see, there is an emptiness and what the world has sold us is this is what it looks like to be successful and I want to share this quote that I've shared before but I I, I heard it from Tim Keller years ago and I've just taken this as something that I think is very true and, and and something that that we need to be reminded of now this was written over 30 years ago but it's still true today it was written January 2nd, 1990. Cynthia Heimel wrote an article in The Village Voice on the Emptiness of Fame, and here's what she wrote. She says this, she says, I pity celebrities. No, I really do. Sylvester Stallone, Bruce Willis, and Barbara Streisand were once perfectly pleasant human beings, but now their wrath is awful. You see, Sly, Bruce, and Barbara wanted fame. They worked, they pushed, and the morning after each of them became famous, they wanted to take an overdose. Because that giant thing they were striving for, that fame thing that was going to make everything okay, that was going to make our lives bearable, that was going to provide them with personal fulfillment and happiness had happened and they were still them. Think about that. Right? Lean into wisdom now and ask God, say, God, who do you want me to be? Fill me, I need you, God. Proverbs 3 4 said, So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Ask yourself, what does it look like to have favor and good success in the sight of God? In the sight of God. Because that will guide you in your life. Next, commit to God's word. Commit to God's word commit to the realities of of what he says is true. Jerry Bridges uh, says to meditate on the scriptures is to think about them, turning them over in our minds and applying them to our life situations. The objective of our meditation is application, obedience to the scriptures. This is leaning in, committing to God's word, not just to memory, not just to knowing it, because what that can do is just build up arrogance and pride within us but it's asking God saying I commit this I commit to your word God knowing that I want to live this out this commitment turns into a conviction a biblical conviction in your heart lastly it's it's see the perfect parent see, the perfect parent. You see, God is the perfect parent because as we read in that scripture at the end, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. That same scripture is used in in the book of Hebrews. And what it's talking about here is a a parent-child relationship. Right? And here's the thing I know, again, about being a parent, is my kids don't always understand what I'm doing. They're not understanding always the good that I want for their lives. They don't understand how much I really do love them. And there are times where they look back at me and say, Mom, Dad, you don't love us. And they don't understand the sacrifices that we've made and how much we really do love them. You see, I'm not a perfect parent, but God is. And we can do the same thing to God and look back at Him and say, God, you don't know what you're doing with my life. You don't know what's going on in the world right now. But look at the perfect parent and see that He is at work. Again, Charles Spurgeon says it well when he says, God is too good to be unkind and He is too wise to be mistaken. And when we cannot trace His hand, we must trust His heart. It's the heart of a father that loves you. And so how do we know that that's true? How do I know that that's true? It's because we know God's love came at great expense to himself. It cost God to love us. And we know this, that 2,000 years ago, God loved us so much that he sent his one and only son son for us. God's heart was filled with so much love for us that we can see it visibly on the cross. Where does wisdom begin? Friends, it begins with Jesus. It begins with surrendering to him and laying everything at the foot of the cross and saying, Lord, I need your wisdom. I need your guidance And I'm confessing as a pastor, like I don't know the future, I don't know what's gonna happen next, but I know that God is with us. And so today, will you seek him? Will you walk down that path? Will you gain wisdom through his grace, through his love, through his commands and find that he's not just calling you to a rule book, he's calling you to a relationship with him. That's how you learn true wisdom. That's how you gain wisdom is looking to God. Let's pray. Jesus, many times we look for a technique. We want a quick fix. We want that that little tweeted nugget of wisdom that we feel like is, is far greater than the scriptures that are right in front of us. And help us to just call that out as a lie. It's not true. Your word is truth. Your word is life-giving. And so help us to meditate and and really lean into and, and soak in your wisdom, your knowledge, God, and know that we need it for every day, every moment. And God, I pray that you will conform us more and more into the image of Jesus. Through everything that we face in life, the highs and the lows, Lord, may we trust you through them all and know that you are good, that you are always good and you are always faithful. We pray this in Jesus name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.